Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, what is a wiki church? That's what half the church who weren't here last week are thinking. This is Sam gone nuts again on all these snazzy little ways that he titles sermon series. What the heck is a wiki church? It's the difference between Newpedia and Wikipedia, remember? Uh, Newpedia was an online encyclopedia that was going to be run by the experts and it was such a great idea that by the end of 2003, three years after it launched, it had a whopping 74 articles. Wikipedia, on the other hand, it empowered the everyday person to contribute into that and within the first year it had 20,000. And here's the principle. Christianity, like Wikipedia, became explosively impacting in the world when it took not perfect information, but good information, the message of Jesus, and it put it in the hands of everyday people. When every Christian now saw themselves as a contributor to the node, that's how it swept the world. It's why we're here today. And it's why that has got to be that it's still relevant to us today. Because we said last week also, don't you feel that we live in an era where your friends and my friends, they're less concerned about our ideas as Christians and they're more concerned about who we are as people. And if that is the case, doesn't it stand a reason that we as a church should be investing more time in getting our people in front of people than trying to go run, grab people and get them in front of our ideas? That is why we are beginning to call the church into a process that we're going to clarify this morning next year where we, we want to call 80% of our church into groups so we can learn how to live as good neighbours. Now... Some of you say, well, why, why, would you, why would you do that? And I know it's actually that sort of approach for some people can rub them up the wrong way. Why do you Christians have to go share? Why have you got to go spread this stuff? Just stick to church and you do your thing, we'll do our thing. <laughs> why do you have to go get woven into the neighbourhood? And here's part of the reason why. Did you, any of you guys see the Sydney Morning Herald article this week that was titled, Sydney, I love you but you're meaner than ever. That's why I'm leaving. Anyone see that article? It's a great article from, I think it was a 2UE presenter. He says here, we're leaving Sydney soon, heading north, up the coast, where life is simpler, where the people are gentler and more forgiving, where the stars are smeared against a permanent, where the stars are not smeared against a permanent grey-black haze, but fill the night sky, where the soundtrack to life is not sirens and shouting and hotted up cars driven by shaven-headed boneheads blaring their doof-doof music. <laughs> but a comforting, enveloping silence. A place, believe it or not, where you can leave your back door unlocked all day. Ah, oh, heaven. <laughs> Ever felt that tension? Now, I want to show you this morning where the Christian mindset differs from that two-year-e presenter because a Christian works in exactly the opposite way when they feel the doof-doof music and they can't lock their back door. A Christian, a true Christian, is someone that when they come up against the things that grate them in the city are not leaving the city, but they're going into it. That the, the, the meaner Sydney gets, the more a Christian says, I've got to go in. I've got to be a part of the neighbourhood. I've got to do something about this. That's what a Christian does because I don't know about you guys, but, but I feel what your friends need, what my friends need and what I see in the city around us is that they don't need another church building in their neighbourhood. What they need is another you. Yeah. 
good neighbours. Neighbours that are so beautiful, so selfless in their act of meeting the needs of the people around them, that even in, even in the backdrop of the duft of music, they say, I don't want to leave, but because of them, I want to stay. Can you imagine a Sydney like that? That's why I think we've got to learn how to be good neighbours. And so what if the outcome of all that we've been talking about with Wiki Church in 2017 and the campaign and the brochures, and you can download it all off the website and off our weekly email if you haven't seen it yet. But here's the thing, what if, what if as part of all of that process, we just got good at doing two things next year? And that is, like this passage says in Mark chapter 12, I think it says, what if we just get good at two things, loving God and loving our neighbour as ourselves? Loving God, it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. That means to love God with such a priority that He is the first thing that you think about before you even look at your alarm clock of the morning. Who does that? (laughs) And to love your neighbour as yourself, to love your neighbour with the same speed, the same joy, the same ferocity as you would meet your own needs. We all do that, right? (laughs) Well... Rhetorical question. Jesus knew that. Remember in the parallel passage, his prelude to the parable of the Good Samaritan and the teacher of the law is so squished up against that reality that he tries to justify himself and Jesus schools him with a little story. A story that we have preached a lot here and we won't look at this morning. But the principle of that story in the parable of the Good Samaritan is this that we need to frame up. When the the teacher of the law asks, who is my neighbour? Jesus says through his story, your neighbour is not just the person that lives next door to you today. Your neighbour is whoever crosses your path. God is ordaining intersections, conversations, interactions with people that he is wanting you to be neighbourly to. So now the question for us as a church is, the success of our church is not how well we do this service this morning. The success of our church will be how good each and every one of you are to the people around you. So who is my neighbour, the person that crosses your path this week? And so look, here's where I want to go this morning. I just want to, given that we've preached on that stuff before, we've, we've heard that before, I just... Next week, Emily is going to talk about the practices of neighbouring, some of the things that you can do to be a good neighbour. So I'm not going to go there this morning. What I want to do this morning is just ingrain in us, embed in us three principles of neighbouring that we have to get as a church. Three principles. If we don't get this, then we may not as well start when we get into 2017. Three principles. Here's the first one. We, if you... This is the only one you get this morning. You get the pen out. If this is all you get, then you get the gold star. I've got one in the office for all of the church. You all get a gold star if you can get this this morning. I want us to get this. First principle of good neighbouring is that people are not projects. The end goal of all of this that we are talking about, if you want to call it a strategy, if you want to call it whatever that we are doing here, church, I want us to get this, that the end game of this whole process called Wiki Church is not conversions, but it's care. Last time I checked here in Mark 12, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. I didn't see an ellipsis on the end of that. I didn't see love your neighbour as yourself in order to, you fill in the blank. Love your neighbour in order to fill your connection group up. Love your neighbour in order to make you feel like you were doing the right thing as a Christian. Love your neighbour so the church grows enough, so we're self-sustainable and we don't have to worry about offerings so we can pay the pastors. I didn't read that. 
right? Just love your neighbor. God calls us just to love our neighbor. And I want to be patently clear about that before we embark on this church. People are not projects. And what that means is that we love our neighbors because we're Christians. We don't love our neighbors to make them Christians. Can I say that again? We love our neighbors because we're Christians. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, which means we receive his love. And so we love them because we're Christians, not to make them Christians. The end goal, the end game is care. Remember I told you a while back about this um, Northsider who had been uh, journeying with a guy at work, a colleague who was a Jehovah's Witness, and they became really good mates. And then, of course, as things naturally happen, and it probably would happen with you in this process, the J-Dub begins to share his faith. And then as this Northsider goes with it for a little bit and then pushes back against that and says, look, mate, I know where you're going. I'm a strong Christian. Look, I'm not, I'm not going to convert to what you're asking me to do, the minute that that happened, bang, he said, we can't be friends anymore. And the relationship stopped. Now, what does it tell you about the nature of the relationship? It wasn't about the Northsider. It was all about the person that was a Jehovah's Witness. Now, Christians do this as well, by the way. I'm not bashing up Jehovah's Witnesses. We Christians do this all the time. That's why we're talking about this. What does it say about the nature of relationship if you're just loving people in order to convert them? You're not loving them for them. It's not about them. You're not motivated underneath by love. You're motivated by either guilt or fear that either you're not, you're not good enough for God because you're not trying to share your faith or you're fearful that God's going to smite you or you're not going to get in because you haven't shared your faith, right? Jonathan Edwards, a great preacher, said, outside of the gospel of God, we do everything out of self-interest. Until we grasp God's love, that he loves us unconditionally, that we don't have to do anything to prove ourselves to him. Until we do that, then and only then can we love people just for them. Not for what we can profit out of them. It means you love them for them, not what you can get from them. In the corporate world, it's, it's a cool little concept we call networking. <laughs> oh, what does your business card say? Where do you work? What contacts have you got? In the church, it's called confused neighbouring. <laughs> so how then do we make sure that we don't, we don't neighbour like this? How do we make sure that we don't treat people like projects? And it comes from this question. I want you to ask yourself this question every time you interact with someone that has crossed your path. Ask yourself this. If... I could know in advance that this person will never give their life to God, will I still invest the same amount of time and energy into the relationship? Then you can know whether you are loving them for them. Then you can know whether or not you are treating them as a project. A project. The end game church is, that is care, not conversions. People are not projects. Which leads me to the next point is that neighbouring is, is not a program. This is not a program that we're going to do for 2017 and then we get to 2018 and we get on to something else. This is a lifestyle. This is... This is something that is expected of every Christian. This is not a program. This is to have a familiar transparency. How do I live my faith in such a way that I am just real with people? And that's the challenge for us, right, isn't it? When we share our faith, how do I live my faith in a way that is not obnoxious or divisive? Haven't you felt that in a workplace? 
How do, how do I be true to who I am and yet not live in a way that is divisive? You do this, you live with a familiar transparency. You remember that story of the woman at the well we've talked about before and Jesus has an interaction with her and she's had a bit of a sordid life and lots of relationships with different men and, and he calls her out on it, but he loves her at the same time and she feels so affirmed in that that she runs off to town and she goes and, and tells everyone. It says here in verse 28 of John chapter 4, Then leaving a water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this guy be the Messiah, the Son of God? Now here's the point. She goes to people that she knows. This is not soapbox sharing. This is not soapbox neighbouring. She just goes to the people that she knows and she's open. She's, she goes to people that are familiar. And so neighbouring doesn't mean that you go off running a, chasing a stranger down the street because Sam preached on it. I've got to be a good neighbour. <laughs> God has placed you in the lives of the people that he wants to reach. That's why he's brought them into your life. And they're good people and they're beautiful people. They may not be believers as we call it, but it doesn't mean that they're bad people. You know them, you love them. That's who he's called you to go to. And so she goes into people that are familiar, but a familiar, here's the second part, transparency. A, a transparency. Anyone had the wonderful experience around about 5.15pm at night? Normally when it's right when um, your nazi goring or your stir-fry is about to burn in the wok, stir-fry for dinner and, and the phone goes off, there's this wonderfully chirpy voice on the other end of the line. You don't know from a bar of soap, they're called telemarketers. Right? And they want to have a conversation with you. And you're about, you're about 10 minutes into it. If you're the sort of person that, you know, you, know, you, can't, you can't hang up, you just, it's the whole love thing, you know, it's the whole Christian thing. I just can't bear to hang up on this person. So I'll listen through. But you're so frustrated and whether you've said it or not, you get to them saying, can you just get to the point? Can you just tell me what it is that you're trying to sell? You know, I, I think from my interactions with the average Sydney cider, they react exactly the same way to Christians. We can have so many different techniques, so many different ways that we can subtly dance around our faith at work or with our family members. I don't know about you, but I just find people now, they just want Christians to just, just tell me what it is that you're on about. Just live your life with a transparency. Tell me up front, allow me to make the decision as to whether I want to pursue this. But don't dance around the issue. And so one of the best ways you can be a good neighbour is just to have a simple openness to the innermost parts of your life. Just be open. It means it can be simple as this. I always say this before. It means, remember church, it means you don't sneeze church. You don't get to the water cooler tomorrow and people say to you, hey, what'd you get up to on the weekend? It's like, I went for a walk around Balmoral. I went out with some friends on Saturday night and then Sunday morning I went to church. <laughs> don't sneeze church. It's amazing, isn't it? Because some of you have done this already, right? Like, it's amazing how powerful in this day and age that that can be as a tool in just being open with your faith. It happened to a, one of our families here. They've just moved in here from America and, and they've, they've discovered a whole other church that exists in the lower North Shore and the northern beaches. It's called Nippers. And it happens every Sunday morning. And so people said, you should get the kids into Nippers. And they said, we can't do that. We go to church. And there's the sound of crickets. 
This is so foreign to them. What, what, what do we say? Oh, you said church. That's, you said church in Sydney. That's what you said. Don't sneeze church. Um, people are going to have different religions from you at work. Embrace that. Explore that. Ask about that. Don't attack them. Listen. Be genuine. People are going to go through tough times in your life. Listen empathetically. Take it on. And maybe if the moment is right and God guides you in that time, you say, hey, look, would it be okay if I prayed for you? (laughs) Maybe you're going through a tough time. Maybe you're going through some stuff. Maybe there's a hard edge to you that we heard about this morning in the story that we heard that said it's so typical of our culture, isn't it? A corporatized culture that don't let anyone see your weakness. Maybe in a moment of vulnerability, you are the one person in a workplace or a family that shares that you're not quite okay and you release someone into the power of that vulnerability. You share what is going on, but then you speak out the resource hidden deep underneath you that is called your faith in Jesus Christ. Can you see how being a good neighbour is just to, don't telemarket people, just be, have a familiar transparency about you. Here's the last one. They're not projects, nor is neighbouring a program. But the last thing this morning is that we must do this together. If you don't do this together, that's why I said it's both the gathered and the scattered church. These dots represent some of the areas where there are Northsiders all throughout Sydney. There are Northsiders in all of these neighbourhoods in Sydney. Less than 40% of our church come from the local area here. God has to be doing something in that. And what it means, you can't do this by yourself. Here's why, because you'll just end up looking like another wacky Christian. I, um, in my wilder days, um, before I became a pastor, typical young adult days, we'd go out on Friday nights with the boys and we would look for people we called dance floor Daves. Dance floor Daves were guys that would have built up a bit of courage, either supernaturally or artificially through other substances out at the nightclub. <laughs> And dance floor days were the dudes that just had no issue with dancing by themselves on the dance floor. It's, you know how they go. You seen that? <laughs> by themselves, they're, they're wacky. <laughs> they're entertaining, aren't they? But let me show you the power of community. There is a special thing that happens when community forms around dance floor daves. (laughs) Right? You've seen it. You've seen it happen at Uncle Mike's 60th. You've seen it happen at that wedding. Spiritual, supernatural thing in community where a bunch of dance floor daves get together and they do a thing called the nut bush. Same principle. You try doing the nut bush by yourself, you're a dance floor Dave. Do it in community. You're cool, man. (laughs) Wild days, yes, my wild days. Hey, what made Christianity explode impactingly through the countryside? They didn't do a dance floor Dave, they did the nut bush. And trust me, Christianity for the average person looks wacky. I get it. There's a lot of stuff that you've got to get over by the time you eventually 
give your life to God, but something powerful happens when you see changed lives in community. It's when we have what I call the conjunction of credibility and plausibility. Something powerful happens in community when you can have both the conjunction of truth, how do I know Christianity is true for me, and then plausibility, how do I know it works? Remember, I've called this the Dyson Principle. I think one of the most ridiculous truths that you have to accept in life is that someone can charge $1,000 for a handheld vacuum cleaner. (laughs) That's a hard truth to swallow. Until you use it. (laughs) And I know all you Dyson outs out there that long for it. You're the ones that go shopping, you tell your husband that you're just ducking away for a tick and you get into Meyer and you get to the little white stand there with it all and you just have a go, don't you? And you just dream. And you're saying, this thing works. What's happening there? It's the conjunction of credibility and plausibility. The ads look great. It looks like it's worth $1,000, but there's no way I'm buying that thing until I experience that it works. We heard it this morning. What? Be vulnerable. Give my life to God. Not have such a hard edge. Not be in control of my life, but acknowledge that there is a sovereign God who wants the best for me and maybe I really don't know how to run my own life and I've got to give up on that. That's a hard truth to swallow. Until you see a whole bunch of other corporate people in a church like this, gathered together, doing exactly the same thing. You're no longer wacky anymore. Now we're doing an upbush. <laughs> we must do this together, church. And that is why I said last week, is this a stitch up that we're trying to call the church so we can have 80% of our people in groups? Is this a stitch up? Is Sam doing this? You you seriously think that we're doing this just so we could say, oh, we've got a lot of people in Northside this week? Seriously, this is the church of Jesus Christ. God will expand this and allow this to grow. The reason we must be in community is because Jesus says it himself in John Chapter 17, verse 20 says, My prayer is not for them alone. That is Jesus praying for us. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one Father, just as you're in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We must do this together. So people are not projects. Neighbouring is not another program. This will not end at the end of 2017. This goes on forever until such a point that we start seeing articles in the Sydney Morning Herald that, say, that said, Sydney, you just got a, not a lot nicer. And that's why I'm staying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for our city. We pray for the deep needs of many of the people around us, the deep tensions that people are feeling around us, the cost of living, the lack of love, the isolation, the loneliness, all the things that we see in the eyes of the friends and the co-workers and the people that we mix with on a daily basis. First, Father, I pray for this church that as we send out a couple of hundred people into that city and all parts of the city this week, that maybe just maybe, Father, that there is a couple of hundred people that are going to see each life a little bit differently this week. That maybe just maybe these fireflies that go out into the darkness this week are as impossible as it may seem maybe walk into the lives of people that are through a divine conspiracy 
that is the mission you have placed each and every one of us on, uh, that we are unsydneying Sydney, uh, that homes and relationships and workplaces become a little bit nicer because of what we've taken from you, these two simple things that we want to love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength, and that by your Spirit's power, you are going to help us this week to love our neighbour as ourself. And is our prayer, Father. Help us with that, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.